0: This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. The beginning of a new year always brings both the possibility of a fresh start or new goals and also the pressure of making it the best fresh start or setting the right new goals. But what actually makes for a good goal? What happens when you set goals and you don't reach them? And how do you prevent the inevitable cycle of abandoning all those good intentions that you set in January by the time Memorial Day rolls around? My guest today is my friend, Abby Schiller, a professional goal coach who helps women design and live the life they want to live. Abby will share more of her own story of how she got to this role in the episode, but I want to tell you that Abby is someone I've known for a long time and who I hired to help me and my team when we had our first ever team retreat together last February. So I really do trust her. She helped us talk through goals and really wrap our heads around the big year we had ahead of us and really helped us to execute all of our plans last year. Abby and I talk about a framework for creating goals that actually moves us forward and helps us create better lives. We also discuss what happens when you don't meet your goals, how to identify the obstacles that get in our way, and how to get unstuck when your new year, new self, aspirations meet the reality of Tuesday carpool and the million errands that aren't getting done. I found this conversation to be so helpful as I start a new year, knowing that I want to set some goals and use this reset as an opportunity, but I'm still unsure of what is actually going to be helpful or beneficial to set me up for success. Abby, how are you? Hi, I'm
1: great. I'm so great. I'm having like the best year ever. Tell me
0: why you're having the best year ever. I need to know this secret.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, I, and I had to learn how to have the best year ever. I decided this year that my motto was going to be random acts of fun. And I have lived that motto every week since January 1st, 2023. Planning for fun, planning for joy, like seeking out, noticing beautiful moments taking walks and being totally present and it has changed everything for me it has be, it has been such a gift when you say you schedule it
0: though like, what do you mean? Are you, like, scheduling activities?
1: Yes. So I am somebody who will stay home and do the same thing over and over and over unless I change and take action to do something else. So I started the year off by deciding to take my kids horseback riding, for instance, and we went on a trail ride in Ohio. or deciding to spend a weekend with a friend, um, you know, in an Airbnb, or learning how to play pickleball. So yeah, I schedule... New, fun things. And it's changed your year. It's changed my year. It's kind of changed my life, I have to say. Like that motto, random acts of fun, is, I think, in a world where your attention is stolen from you, from every corporation. And in a time when there's, you know, a lot of darkness, it's a radical act to seek out and experience fun and joy.
0: I know. I'm hearing you because I feel like now that my kids are a little bit older, it is definitely less present. When my kids were little, even though that was like a hard season for other reasons, but like little kids are fun. Yes. And like little, fun things follow little kids. You know, there's activities or you... Birthday parties. Exactly. And you have
1: to do things with kids to keep them occupied.
0: Right. And so... There was a lot of fun in our life and joy in our life when the kids were little bitty. And now that
1: they're like teenagers, it is a totally different vibe. Yeah. The other thing about having little kids is that you sometimes are able to see the world through their eyes. So like their first taste of ice cream or, Mm. you know, bringing them balloons. Like that is what I'm talking about that I try to experience going on walks, noticing how every leaf is different, or just observing this gorgeous rose in the neighborhood that's growing. And how does she get a rose to grow in December like that? It's amazing. It just kind of feels like an altered state that I've created very naturally through my intention. Okay,
0: well, let's, (laughs)
1: let's dig deeper into
0: that. But before we get like further down this road, I want you to introduce yourself to the listeners. You and I have known each other for years through, I guess, just the online world. Is that where we met? the mom blogging world. Right. And so I feel like I've known you for a long time, but I want the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So just uh, give kind of an introduction to yourself and, and everything that you're
1: doing. So I'm Abby Schiller. I am a professional goal coach. I help women design and live the lives that they want to live. And- I'm an example of that for myself. My background is in public relations. I was the head of PR for Kiehl's globally for many years. Then I went to ABC Daytime, and I was their head of communications for several years. And then I started a company with a partner called The Mother Company, where we created television shows for preschoolers and wrote children's books and provided resources for parents. And in 2014, I had a really rough year. And so I didn't really know what to do my mother-in-law had died and it kind of set off a spiral of events mental health events financial events like kind of everything that could go wrong in a year was going wrong and I felt very out of control on this kind of downward spiral and so not knowing what to do I was taking care of my dad at the time I had two little kids and my husband just was also not faring well after the death of his mom And so I decided to start learning how to take your life back. And I started studying, you know, manifestation and change behavior and habit formation and human potential and coaching and therapy. And I studied all the things. I literally felt like I was giving myself a master's degree to dig myself out of this darkness. And I put together a program that I decided to do with a friend on January 1st of 2015. And I called it Visioning. And we went away for 24 hours, away from our families, and we implemented these guided brainstorms and these, you know, really interesting thought prompts and put together a plan for our lives for the year. And then we went home to the chaos and started implementing the plans. And lo and behold, they've really worked. They turned our lives around. And from that, I became fascinated with understanding what's possible for humans what's possible in a lifetime what is what are we capable of year after year I would hone the practice and year after year more amazing things manifested I won an I would say one year I'm going to win an Emmy this year and then I would win the freaking Emmy and have to figure out how to do that and so it was like it was incredible And friends started asking me, you know, Abby, how are you doing this? And I started teaching them. And then in 2020, I had gone to five states and taught over 100 women this visioning practice in the first week or two weeks of January. And then, of course, the world shut down. And they were like, "Okay, now what? We made all these big plans. Now what? And I said, no, no, no. These still work. And I would coach people on group Zooms through the pandemic to get the goals that they had wanted to get and also largely to manage their mind around where we don't have control. Mm. And so that just like was the really big jump start into my coaching career.
0: And this is something that you like do on the regular, not just in January? Like, what if you you know, sort of set what you want the year to look like? And not because of a pandemic or anything like that, but just because you get into March and you're like, mmm this isn't I, i'm I'm tiptoeing down the wrong path.
1: I want to kind of pivot absolutely. like there's there's opportunities for fresh starts any day, like any hour, like any moment that you're in, you can decide to make a different choice and to pivot. Research wise, our biggest the way humans generally work is that fresh starts happen on days that are significant to us, birthdays, anniversaries, death anniversaries, whatever. They are largely calendar related, so that's why there's a huge conversation around fresh starts and goal setting in January because you have the first of the year to begin a clean slate. But they also can start on summer solstice or on Mondays or on, you know, we. the research shows that we tend to stick to our goals more when we start them on fresh starts, but also the research shows that we tend to drop them within 30 days because we don't know how to set great goals. Y'all know that
0: I love to play games on my phone to unwind and I am always looking for a new one to download and I recently ran across two dots and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook, as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax, but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. com and use promo code TELL, TELL for 15% off and free shipping available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. Okay well that's what we're going to talk about today is knowing how to set great goals because I really do think that this might be a weakness in myself of like how I'm thinking about a goal or the year or anything like that because I don't always have a long-term picture for myself so I try to back into it with like smaller shorter term goals and sometimes I achieve them and sometimes I don't but I feel like whether I do or don't I'm still not entirely sure I'm on the right path because I didn't have maybe a long-term vision or plan or you know thing I was working towards and so That's why I'm excited to talk about this topic of what, like, the the goals that you can make that really move the needle, that really can change the trajectory, that really matter in keeping them. Because that's the other thing about goals for me sometimes is I'll set a goal, and it won't necessarily be arbitrary or anything, but I'll just get maybe 30 days down the road or, or whatever, and I'll be like, I mean, what, does this even matter?
1: Yes.
0: And yeah. then, it, then it suddenly feels arbitrary or it feels like this isn't the right thing to be focusing on or, you know, whatever. And I don't know if I'm talking myself out of it or if I just was never kind of in the right space in the first place.
1: Yeah. And actually, that's such a great point, because sometimes we set goals and we do have to change course because it's not the right goal that we have set. Sometimes by doing actions, we learn what we want in a goal versus what we thought we wanted in a goal. And that is actually part of achieving awareness, right? So the other thing is that we start with so much fuel behind us and so much intention, but we don't often prepare for kind of when things get boring or mundane or hard. And our brains are actually biologically programmed to avoid those things. We want we want things to be easy. We want them to be pleasurable. We want them to not require a lot of effort. So oftentimes when we design goals, we don't account for the effort or the struggle or the hardship or the adversity that a goal might require us to move through to get to the other side. And so a lot of people give up or think that they're not doing it right when they feel self-doubt or adversity or challenge to that goal. Well,
0: and I kind of want to dumb it down even further to like when we're talking about goals, it's like a big broad word, but I sometimes am not exactly sure what I'm supposed to be measuring. And it doesn't mean that I don't pick something to measure. But then that's part of me feeling like, does this really matter? Sometimes I think it's not that the overall goal or or the motivation for whatever I was trying to achieve doesn't matter. It's that the thing I have chosen to measure doesn't matter. So a lot of this I'm thinking in terms of my work life, which, of course, a lot of these goals can be personal or work-related. But for me, for example, it's just as an example... You know, it can feel as a creator that there are some really measurable things. How many downloads an episode gets or the podcast gets in a 30-day period. I can measure how many followers I gain or lose. I can measure these things that actually there is like a number (laughs) attached to the growth I'm trying to achieve or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then that's not the whole story or the whole picture either. Sometimes. And so that's where I really get tangled. And instead of changing what I'm measuring, but maybe keeping the deeper motivation of growth or something, I just abandon the whole thing. I'm yeah. just like, well, so what give am I doing? Me,
1: like if you don't mind, can you give me like an actual specific example of a goal? Like or even a hypothetical. Let's say you want to double your downloads. Right. As a goal. So the first thing I would ask, I would back up and just ask, what is your why? It's really important to identify why that's an important goal for you. Okay, that is a good question. And I've asked myself this
0: because sometimes the why is very obviously ego sure. in a way.
1: Sometimes. And, and that's s-
0: not a bad thing necessarily. So, well, say more about that because I always feel like, well, if it's ego, I, it's dumb. I, I can't do that. Really? Sort of because because I'll answer your question and then I'll say why I get confused about it. The actual answer for why I would want to double my downloads would be I get paid based on my downloads. So that would be a money increase for me yeah. if I got substantially more downloads. So that's not ego. That's that's business. Yeah. But then sometimes there's an ego attached to – and this is getting too much in the weeds of podcasting, for example – where it's less about the money that I would or wouldn't make because advertising on podcasts can be fickle. It's not always a direct correlation that double the downloads is not going to be double the money for me necessarily. This is like podcasting, blah, blah. But the ego piece of it is, you know, I have podcasting friends. I want to keep up with the Joneses. I want to feel like I'm at a certain level. And I can easily sort of see that, feel shame around the fact that I want this vanity metric. And then abandon the whole thing and be like, I should really not care about downloads or money. I should care about my impact or you something know, like know, that.
1: The same thing could be said about anyone who makes a health related goal or a beauty related goal, right? Like they could just think, well, this is ridiculous. I should just accept myself as I am. Yes. this That's perfect example. That's a better example. Okay. So, so yes, you always have the option to stay the same. But if there's a voice prompting you to go bigger and to have a bigger impact and even if it's on the surface seems like a vanity thing so for instance for me one of my goals this year was to elevate how i look because i have never paid attention to that and in my 50s it just felt like it's time to start paying attention to that so what did that look like for me so that was my goal Sure. On the surface, it felt really silly. But I also think that underneath that, there was an experiment that I wanted to do to understand how my outward appearance affects my inward feeling and how other people, how I perceive other people relating to me looking polished versus looking schlumpy. And so I had kind of like an like a scientific approach to it. So I, you know, worked with my dentist and I got my teeth straightened. I rent the runway for my clothing now. I have never cared about fashion, but for three months I decided I'm going to rent the runway and see what it feels like to dress in really nice clothes. And so I tried all of these different things. I got my hair cut differently, like all sorts of things. And it's been a really fun experiment for me to achieve the goal and to... Learn what that
0: means. Does it matter that that is less measurable? And I see that you put a lot of like specific effort into it.
1: Yeah, it is. So there is a real push, I think, in the goal culture to create measurable goals, which makes sense because... If we create vague goals, we never know where the bullseye is or we don't even know where the target is. You know, people who come to me, clients who say, I want to be happier or I want my life to feel more balanced or I want to feel more confident. Those are really vague goals. So I work with them to figure out or I want to make more money is a really popular one that people come to me with, which I can help with. But we have to understand, like, what does it feel like? What does, it, what does it feel like to be a better mother? What does it feel like to be more confident? What kind of money do you want to earn? So as specific as we can get the better so that you can, at the end of three months or six months or a year, say, these are the efforts I took. And now how am I feeling so that you can kind of, and, and so at the beginning of the goal, you would maybe give yourself a grade or a score somehow of like, I feel like I'm at a three of like a 10 point scale. And then at the end, you would probably give yourself a grade again, because it is important to measure something, but it doesn't have to just be so scientific. Like you can just go towards a goal and see if, if your trajectory is getting you closer to there. So on your
0: example of like wanting to feel like you looked more polished or whatever, you were what you were measuring was how you felt.
1: Yeah, I was measuring how I felt. And I guess to some extent. I was also seeing. Yeah, no, I really was just measuring how I felt. But what
0: if it doesn't work? Like what if you really didn't feel a noticeable
1: difference related to the amount of effort you were putting into it? Right. And it's funny because it could also be other things, right? Correlation or causation, because I've had this kind of great mentality this year about random acts of fun. Maybe I feel better because of that. And it has nothing to do with Invisalign or Rent the Runway. Who knows? But at the end of the year, I know that I can look back and feel really empowered and great about how I've spent my time, how I've managed my brain, the work I've done, the way I've conducted and shown up in the world. I don't know. I just, it's not an exact science. Well, in my example,
0: where there is like a... Actual like number attached to it. So let's say I was trying to, for example, double my downloads. What if all your three months of effort, I try all kinds of different ways to do that, and it doesn't work in a measurable way? Yeah.
1: Okay. So, so then it's not about how
0: I feel. Yeah, about you're downloads. totally right.
1: Okay. Here's what I would ask you if we were coaching together. I would ask you what are the actual efforts that you're creating, you're making to create this result. What is the Active effort you're doing to create this, not the passive effort. And the difference between active effort and passive effort is active effort is actually making the offers, doing the things, reaching out to the people, pitching more sponsors, marketing, going on other people's podcasts, all the things that would grow your downloads that you have control over. Passive effort is the worrying about it, the hoping for, the wondering, the planning. So that's like all the passive effort that doesn't actually usually produce the result. And then even if you did all of this crazy effort, and you still were at the same number of downloads, we would have a conversation about what else needs to happen. What else is possible to double this? How how do other people double their things? How do we market it differently? How do we change it in a way to create the result that you want? Because and I often quote this is that water boils at 212 degrees, but so many people quit at 210 thinking they've tried everything. So is it just another two degree effort for you to get growth? Maybe. I don't know.
0: I just feel like I don't hear people talk about and I didn't know we we're going to talk about this right now, but this is actually helping me to think about one of the ways i can get discouraged I, this isn't my actual goal i'm not trying to t- double my downloads but it's a tangible way to talk about this of if you really do truly put in 90 days or more of effort and it actually doesn't work whenever i hear people talk about something didn't work well then it's always just their fault they didn't put in that extra 2 degrees of effort or they were measuring the wrong thing, or they were, you know, their motivations were wrong. I don't know. It always feels like it's our own fault, and maybe that is the answer. I don't hear very often people just be like, well, this didn't work. This is discouraging. I feel very unmotivated now. I don't want to have any goals, personal or professional, because I put all my eggs in this basket thinking I did all the things. Yeah. And it really didn't work. I didn't double my downloads. I didn't meet a health goal. I didn't meet the love of my life. I don't know, whatever it is. And it is so, this happened to me this year a little bit. It is discouraging in a way that's not just about that goal. I agree. It's discouraging in a way that feels like.
1: Defeated. Defeated. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, Laura, are in that place right now after the past few years, especially, and after so much messaging about it is your fault if you're not doing it, there is some truth. A lot of people hope for things and don't take action. And so they are responsible to some extent for that lack of result. There are also systemic issues that prevent people from achieving results. As a female entrepreneur, I tried for years to get a parenting help platform funded And I met with hundreds of potential investors, and I did not get the funding. And the statistic is that women entrepreneurs only get 2% of all VC money. So I was part of that statistic that did not get the money, right? That's like a systemic issue. I was hoping to be part of the, or I was part of the 98%, rather, that did not get the money. I was hoping to be part of the 2%. There are goals that are really close to impossible, for some people to achieve, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try for them or think differently about how we try for them, or in some cases, approach them from a different angle or find acceptance around them in in other ways and zoom out and decide what was important about this and how can I still approach it from some aspect. What's interesting about the goal that I ultimately gave up on, which was the platform for Helping parents is that I now live that goal as a coach, not as a company providing coaches. Mm. So you change the approach to still get the... To still get the result that Mm. I want. I, I felt so strongly that parents, and especially moms, should get support from experts and feel less alone in their building lives that they wanted for themselves. And I tried to create a company around that. Didn't get the funding, but now I—that's what I do for a living. I -hmm. help people do that myself, just without the VC funding.
0: Okay, so you have three. Are they types of goals? Are they specific goals that really do help us, like move forward in a path, like that are less likely, maybe, for us to get stuck and discouraged?
1: Yeah. So this. This list comes from research done by a guy named Jonathan Fields. He wrote a book called "The Good: How to Have a Good Life. He has the Good Life podcast as well. And he did a lot of research on what creates good lives for people. And I love this framework for creating goals because what's the point of us creating goals at all, really? It's to figure out what we're capable of, to live kind of our biggest, best versions of ourselves and this framework really kind of makes it easy to think about. And what he talks about in order to have a good life is that you need three buckets to be filled. The first bucket is the vitality bucket, which is your wellness, your well-being your, your wellness. How healthy are you physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually even? How much do you spend time in wonder or awe? Which I think are such incredible, like, points to measure a life in. Because having just spent a year in wonder and awe and having that, I can tell you it's really a beautiful way to go through a year. So that's the first bucket is vitality. The second bucket is... Wait, that feels like a big bucket. (laughs) So this is really just like a framework on how to have a good life. So they are going to be significant buckets. Okay. And I'm going to break it down afterwards but i want to just share how the buckets work. so there's the vitality bucket and then you have the connection bucket and the keyword for connection is meaningful. how meaningfully connected do you feel to the people you are around, however you define family, friends, your coworkers, community. he also points out how meaningfully connected do you feel to yourself and how meaningfully connected in order to have a good life do you feel? To something larger than yourself, whether that's God, Jesus, Allah, the universe, ancestors, whatever it is. But to to think that we're not just it. Mm. And then the third bucket, the good life bucket, is the contribution bucket. So that is how do we contribute in the world in ways that will outlast us? And that's really kind of the meaning bucket of like, you know, how do we create meaning in our lives? You can create contribution by work or volunteer. You can live values that contribute. You can be a generous person. You can be kind. Um, You can be a caregiver, and that is your contribution. But the trick about all three of these buckets he found in the research is that they self-drain and that we have to continually replenish the buckets to have a good life. And so on that structure... I would propose the three goals that are the most meaningful around each of those buckets. So ultimately, each person needs to decide for themselves what is the most impactful goal that they can choose for themselves. But using the structure of these three buckets, I think is really an easier way to look at it instead of becoming overwhelmed. You might want to pick a goal from the vitality bucket, from the connection bucket, and from the contribution bucket as your most impactful for the year. So let me give you some examples. A lot of people say that they want to get healthier in the new year. That would be from the vitality bucket. But let's really be less vague about that. So how? what does health mean to you? Does it mean that you're going to be more hydrated? Does it mean you're going to focus on your sleep? Does it mean you're going to cut out sugar? Do you want to Exercise more? Do you want to get a team of doctors that are better than the ones you have currently? Do you need a therapist or coach? Like, what does it mean to be healthier? And just choose one small step in that first. Like, you can brainstorm all the things that it would mean, but I would coach you to start small. Just start with one thing. So, in January, I decided I was going to give up sugar and flour. And I did it, I decided to do it for 30 days and I marked it and I really had to do all the steps that I teach everybody in my courses, how to change a habit. And then after 30 days, I decided to do it for another 30 days and then another 30 days and that's turned into the whole year. So that's, you You want to just start tiny. You haven't had sugar and flour for the whole year? <laughs> nope, I haven't. At least not knowingly, No. Which is crazy because my daughter was having a bagel and I was like, God, it's been a long time since I've had a bagel or pizza. Yeah. Or a tortilla. I mean, (laughs) I wish we had a video on my face (laughs)
0: because this would not be a good part of my vitality bucket.
1: (laughs) You know, I started doing, again, I started it for 30 days and I, my why was because I was being really compulsive around sugar and flour, like really compulsive, And it was just, I don't like the idea of anything having power over me. (laughs) And it felt like, it felt borderline addiction. And so I'm a big, like, abstinence person for 30 days. Whenever you feel like something is, has its power over you, an abstinence program for 30 days, like, gives you real perspective after that. I literally, Laura, I went through a whole detox, like, like an addict. I was like. I'm talking like an addict at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I believe that and probably need that and also will not be my goal in Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. So so back to the meaningful, you know, what what's meaningful to you? That was meaningful to me because I felt totally powerless to it. And I wanted to show myself that I was capable of abstaining. It might be more meaningful for somebody to focus on sleep or to get another habit under control. Who knows? But that's the vitality bucket. And then the connection one, maybe we want to make goals. You know, there's a loneliness epidemic in this country. We are so alone. Even for people who live in families, don't feel seen or connected in any meaningful way. I know I wrote two books about it. Yes, you did. <laughs> you sir, you certainly did. And so how can we find ways to fill that bucket actively? And a goal around that might might be start a book club or create some kind of a weekly community or join a volunteer group or take a class or reach out to create a text you know whatever it is but we have to find ways to fill that bucket as well and then in terms of the contribution bucket what do we want our legacy to be how do we want to live this life how are we spending our time here what would be meaningful for us to contribute to this world what does this world need from us Okay. So
0: all of this is beautiful,
1: truly, and
0: aspirational for me. And also I'm thinking about what my regular life looks like, which is carpool and work and getting dinner on the table and buying, you know, teacher gifts and seeing about, there's just a million things that we all have on our plates, all of us. Yeah. And so I feel like on moments on vacation or over the holidays when you have like some time to breathe and think and then you get very aspirational about your contribution to the world. But then what actually happens is <laughs> on a Tuesday where you have sure. 42 errands and a basketball game and a piece of roast you forgot to thaw, there's like it's hard for me to feel about yes. any way about my contribution yes. to the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you and I hear that often. And it does sound lofty, but... I want to address the reality of what you're living, and I want to just support what I had said, which is that it doesn't require any time to, you know, act in a certain way, to hold a door for someone, to let someone in traffic, to live your values. You're already contributing by being a parent and a partner. You're already contributing with the books that you're writing. You're already contributing with this podcast. You are contributing, and maybe it's just a perception shift for you, to see that what you do is Contributing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could probably use that perspective. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing, and I work with busy working and stay at home moms all day, every day, is that we can make goals around how we spend our time. And we can make goals around boundaries. We can make goals about becoming less dependent on our saboteurs which are things like people-pleasing and perfectionism and hyper-achieving, we can shift how we think about our lives so that we can create the life that we want. Mm. You would still drive the carpool. You would still thaw the pot roast. But you would do it with the thoughts that support the beliefs you want. So I am contributing to the family. I am contributing to... The world, this is important work that I'm doing instead of I have to do this.
0: Instead of a like to do list item that it becomes like this is how I am. Nourishing my body or whatever.
1: That's exactly right. So like for if somebody has a hydration goal, for instance, I bought these like clear cups with straws in them because I realized that I wasn't taking the the obstacle to my goal, which is always something you want to identify. Why aren't you doing the goal? What is stopping you? What is the obstacle between you and what you want? For me, it was that I was on Zoom calls all day long with clients and I didn't want to take like a huge ugly swig from a thing where I had to like tilt my head back. So the answer for me was so simple. It was just getting a large cup with a straw.
0: <laughs> Wait, you identified that The reason that you wouldn't drink on Zoom calls was because it looked awkward in the camera? Yes.
1: (laughs) I mean, it didn't just look awkward, but it was literally like a pause in the connection. I would have to, like, tilt my head back and look up. And I thought it was rude to the other person to, like, interrupt what they were saying to do that.
0: No, I'm hearing you. I'm not, like, I'm not, like, (laughs) laughing at that as the obstacle. I'm thinking that that's a very self-aware obstacle to identify like you know as you were speaking before you got to that part and I was like thinking about what are some of my sort of bigger obstacles that I run into time and time again and they're less concrete than you know tilting your head back on the camera they're more like vulnerability or you know I start I get nervous, or I have ego around it, or I second-guess myself. Or they're, sure. They're these, like... The
1: more common ones. Yeah. They're less tangible.
0: They're less fixable yeah. by so, buying a straw. <laughs>
1: correct. Sometimes we can just buy the straw, and sometimes we really have to manage the discomfort of an emotion. Yes.
0: With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut.
1: to your happy place for a happy price Go to your happy price, Priceline So, it's funny because the, there's a there's a tool called WHOOP and it was developed by a researcher out of UCLA named Gabrielle Otigien. and she, WHOOP stands for, you want to identify your wish, what is the wish that you want that's the W, the O the first O is for outcome, imagine the most perfect outcome of that wish the second O is obstacle. What are the all the obstacles? And, and why I bring this up now is because what she says is, what are the obstacles within you? What are all the obstacles within you? So what are the thoughts that are stopping you? What are the emotions that are stopping you from taking action? And then the P for WHOOP is plan. What is your plan? And I always like to add, what is your plan B as well? So you might have a plan of exercising more, and going to the gym more, or finding more fun movement. But plan B might be, if that's not working for you, then you're going to, what? (laughs) What's it going to be?
0: All of my obstacles are within me, by the way. Like, all of them. (laughs) Very common. Going back to feeling defeated, which is actually sort of a feeling that I did feel in 2023, that I've been kind of working through the the different aspects of that. But I think that that is one of the reasons I beat myself up is because all of the obstacles are within me. You know, I have a lucky, privileged, beautiful life where I have a lot going for me and the resources to overcome certain obstacles. The one that is holding me back always is
1: my own stuff. Yeah. Is my own inner world and my own inner critic. I think that's the most common obstacle for people. And here's what I would ask. So if you identify an emotion as a vibration in your body, because that's really all it is, and that's why we call them feelings, because we feel them. So, you know, the vibration of fear. I ask clients to do this all the time. Like this is a tight tightness in your throat, maybe a shortness in your heartbeat, like a rapid heartbeat, a shortness in your breath. All of that. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes people sweat. So like, there's like. That's the vibration of fear, is different than the vibration of disappointment, which is kind of a heavier, sadder, slower, darker, less hopeful vibration, which is different than the vibration of excitement, right? So we as humans have this whole spectrum of vibrations, emotions that are available to us to experience, but most people are afraid of like 50% of them. They don't want to feel them. Yep. yep. And I work with people to help them change that thought. I actually think that you become fearless. You become unstoppable when you stop being resistant or avoiding the dark, hard feelings. When you anticipate adversity, or you know that you're willing to feel embarrassment or terror to get to your goal, think of like how much more powerful that is to just approach the goal that way.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When you realize that failure, for instance, which is something a lot of people are really afraid of, like the concept of failure, like failure is just a bunch of different thoughts in your brain and different vibrations in your body. And when you decide to think that failure is the admission price to achieving your goal, that you're going to have to fail a couple different ways before you actually figure out how to do the thing. Then you just see it as progress. Mm. Like you just see it as like, okay, well, I've, my mother was an actress like in the sixties and I love, love her perception of failure. She just gamified it. She would put her soul into an audition. She would feel so lucky to have gotten an audition. She would dress the part. She would learn the lines. She would, you know, show up on time. She would ask for time off from her regular waitressing job. And she would show up on time with a room full of women that looked just like her. And she would read the part with her soul. And then she would get rejected. And, and, and in those days, the rejection was brutal. You know, you like, you're not good enough. You're ugly. You're fat. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too thin, whatever. <laughs> it was like personal. And she would just go back to her apartment and put a little line on the wall. And she realized that after every, like, 12 lines, on average, she would book a job. So she just saw that failure was just one step closer to getting the job that she was supposed to get. Mm. I love it because it just takes all the drama right out of it. It's just like, okay, great. I did it. Boom. There's another person that I, I don't remember who it was, but I, I heard them talking about, if I'm not failing 10 times a week, I'm not taking enough action. mm like, failure is is data, really. Yeah. I was in a writing group a long
0: time ago. This was before I wrote my books, probably when I was still a blogger even. And we only met a few times and actually sort of regret it because it was a really great group of people. And and we had really, you know, we, we had some big dreams that, that would have been fun to see through as a group. But anyway, our mantra or sort of our tagline that we took on as our writing group was fail faster yeah and i still think of some conversations that we had as a group around that which is what you're describing like just keep putting it out there the the faster you fail the closer you're going to get to not failing right and yeah i just loved that and you know maybe that's like a saying already but i just still think of that because i tend to fail slowly (laughs) I mean, you know, truly, because But be- do
1: you learn from it? Like it does it help you? Does it benefit you?
0: Yeah, always. But sometimes I do think that failing faster would have would have been a better way to do this. Like if if you're going to sort of fail anyway, or you know what I mean, you're gonna try yeah. a thing. Yeah. I feel like I drag out the process. I guess that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I drag You make it out- that much
1: more painful. Yes.
0: <laughs> Like, I drag my feet on actually doing the thing, and then I do the thing, and it doesn't go as yeah. well. You know what I mean? It's all these, it's many days, many yes. days into all of this. Torture. You could have
1: done it a few times a week. Right. It's like ripping off the Band-Aid fast or slow. Yes. Like,
0: I could have failed faster and and probably learned the same lesson and processed it and tried again mm-hmm. in the same in you know the same amount of time. I could have done it 10 times in yeah. the amount of time that I did it once and bummed myself out.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's Facebook's motto, too. Like, Move fast and break things. Yes, is that? Oh no, well, okay. right. Like they, they, they break it, they fix it, and they move fast. They break it, they fi- like they fail, they fix it, and they move fast. Yeah, fail faster is hard to live by
0: because it's it's hard. Even as you're describing, I love your mom's story, and I'm sure that you do get a thicker skin in whatever rejection looks like in in each person's life. But it's it still is rejection. It does still add up to. And
1: it sucks. It yeah. It sucks. It's part of life that sucks. Yeah. And it's kind of unavoidable. And here's what I think. Like, I work with so many people who have stayed the same for years and years and years as an a, as an avoidance to failure. But they're actually failing by staying the same. Yes. And it's just as painful. It's just a slow burn instead of a fast off with the Band-Aid. Yeah. No, you're right. It sucks. And,
0: and I, th- can, I can see that in areas of my life, too. There are some areas of my life where I did... I did fail faster. I was forced to or I chose to. The pain didn't seem as bad as in other areas of our life where we do kind of stay the same. It's not all, not all things are equal. Correct. And it's, you know, you can, you can be really successful and embody all of these things we're talking about in your professional life, but then you're stuck in your personal life or vice versa. Totally. And I see this in myself too. There's definitely an imbalance of if something is going great, guaranteed something else is not moving at the pace i want it to and it can it can be really hard to keep your mental balance there of like okay this is a teeter totter like this is life nobody yeah. nobody is all at the same level all the time
1: well and and that's just kind of the the law of 50-50 like no matter how smart gorgeous wealthy whatever privileged and self-aware you might be educated you might be, you're still going to have a human experience. You can't self-help your way out of a human experience. So the human experience is 50% adversity and 50% ease, Mm. no matter what. 50% hard, 50% delightful, 50% struggle, 50% chill. Like this is just the way it's going to be. And so when I have kind of the days that are just like, killing me like one thing after the other i'm just like the effing 50 is here here it is buckle up we're going through we're just going to go through it because there you can't avoid it yeah well that's a
0: perfect place to sort of end this conversation because it's a reminder no matter what we are trying to achieve or work towards or grow in 2024 that there's always going to be a human experience behind it yes so i love that reminder no matter what
1: Okay, you have a freebie for us, yes? I do. I want to make sure that everybody who needs this can get to it. So if you go to com, that's A-B-B-I-E-S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R.com, I will give you on my website a webinar that teaches you how to change one thing. So that's like a really helpful webinar on why you're struggling in change and what to do to identify what needs to change and then the steps to take and how to think differently around changing.
0: It'll help you change just one thing. Yeah, because if we
1: start with one thing, then you can apply it to all things. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: Oh my God, I love that. Say the website again so they'll go find it.
1: So it's dot com. A B B I E. Schiller.com. You can also find me on Instagram, and I've linked to it on my Instagram, which is Abby Schiller Coaching.
0: Yeah, and of course, everyone, I will link to this in the show notes as I always do, and then I'll tag Abby on social if you want to go follow her, check out her freebies. Thank you for coming to talk to us. You're
1: so welcome. I love being here. Yeah, it's nice so to fun. see you
0: in your studio that you've manifested through your goals. It's true. It's true. This is actually my space. This is one of my one of kind of my big win. One of my big wins for 2023 was that I created a space that lets me, forces me, in a great way, to take my work seriously. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Perfect example. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Laura. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You, and you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secretstuff. Thanks for listening.